You're listening to Focus on the Bible. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Focus on the Bible. Today, we're in Far, Texas at the Christian Youth Ranch, and it's such a pleasure to be here where in 1967, Wally and Jane Marillo came to build a work for the Lord. Wally and Jane were not far out of Bible school themselves, young in age, and they were ready to start a work from nothing. They came here not to build a church at first, but to build a youth work, Christian Youth Ranch. They came to make friends among young people and invite them to those Friday night Bible studies, and the work began to grow. Soon, there were enough kids that they began to build their own building, kids, Raising money, making trusses, laying concrete block, one on top of another to build something for the Lord. Soon there were so many kids that they needed a church of their own, and Grace Community Church was born in Far, Texas. And that plan of the Murillos is not very far from the plan that we find uncovered in Scripture, where the Lord used kids and young adults to build a work for himself. Let's talk about that. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus is going down the coastline at the Sea of Galilee. It seems to be a normal day, so imagine the wind and the waves and maybe some sounds of birds in the background and fishermen are doing what fishermen do. And here comes Jesus along. Mark chapter 1 And verse 16 says, Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. It's a simple picture. Jesus had already met these two brothers. Andrew first... And when Andrew knew that Jesus was the Messiah, it stirred him up, and he immediately went to find his brother. He's called Simon here, but he's Peter. That's Peter. Led to the Lord Jesus Christ by his brother Andrew. And so they both have found their Messiah. Their faith is in Jesus. But on this day, Jesus gives them the call not for a salvation that they already have, but to the service of a lifetime for the Lord. He calls them to do a very simple thing. Come ye after me. And then he made a promise to those two brothers. If you do come after me, I'll make you to become fishers of men. Ladies and gentlemen, we have across the world today more Bible studies than ever before. There are more Christian bookstores, more Christian books, more Christian songs than at any time since time began. But are those Bible studies, are those bookstores full of books, is all that music about this goal that Jesus stated to these young men to become fishers of men? Are we just padding an industry and turning the marketplace into a Christian marketplace? Or are we, in fact, doing eternal ministry? And that's what Jesus had in mind. And that's the kind of Bible studies that he was doing with those young men 
causing them to be fishers of men. What does it mean? Well, no longer will they catch fish out in the water in a net, but now they'll go among people and they'll share the gospel. And because they share the gospel, people will rest their faith in Jesus also. And this ministry of multiplication began among these young men. They were so young, they're still working for their fathers. And among the disciples, only one that I know of was married, and that would be Peter. The others typically are young fishermen. They are tradesmen. They work for their fathers, and they're young enough to not yet be married. It's a movement of youth in the very beginning of the church. Those two young men answered very quickly that call to serve the Lord. Off that boat, leaving their nets behind, now there are three sets of footprints going down the sand along the coast. And now two more brothers come into view. Verse 19, And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. So now two more brothers, James and John, will join the first two. And Jesus has enrolled four disciples into his school of being fishers of men. Listen, those young men might have not looked like much in the eyes of the world, just plain, simple fishermen. Not a day of seminary did they have. They didn't even know what Sunday school was. But Jesus saw something in them that screams future ministry. Those four young men who put down their fishing nets and enrolled in that school of Jesus changed the history of planet Earth. Hmm? And friend, today we have a thriving church all across the world because of the beginning of that youth movement that Jesus started on the coast that day. Today, the church might need a readjustment in the world. There are churches across our country who are struggling to have ministry to their youth. I was on the phone just yesterday with a pastor And in that church, there are essentially no youth, no youth and no opportunity for youth. There's no youth ministry, nothing like Christian Youth Ranch in Far, Texas. And I'm advising that church, you need to do something. You need to do something. There needs to be a movement towards youth in your church. If not, your church has already begun to die. When those boys went off that boat, they didn't really understand what they were getting into. The church was not even a formal thing at that point. They got off the boat because they knew that was their Messiah and He was calling them to serve. They got off that boat probably not understanding that they would be in the Bible or that they would even write books of the Bible. They probably had no idea we would be talking about them on Focus on the Bible radio today. But Jesus knew what he was doing, didn't he? It was a movement of the youth. Maybe you've never considered this, but Jesus, when he started his public ministry, was about 30 years old. Picture that. He's 30 years old. 
Mary gave birth to Jesus as a young girl at a time when the average age to marry was from 13 to 15 years old. So we have no reason to doubt that Mary was any more than 15 when she gave birth to that bouncing baby boy who is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Colossians 2.9. Those young men who were the disciples, we need to picture this in our minds that they are young men. They're not accomplished professionals. They didn't have degrees from institutions of higher learning. They were just young men who had a burning desire to do something for the Lord. Across the country today, we have many churches, I think, who are not only struggling to have ministry to young people, but they pretty much have thrown in the towel. And they hide behind excuses like, well, they all have cell phones now and so many other things to distract them. Well, there have always been distractions. I am sure that those young men, Jesus called off those boats, probably had a lot of other things they could have been involved in. But that's never a rightful excuse that we don't have a ministry to people of every age. And some people are saying, well, the world is just too bad, and I think the Lord's probably coming back soon. That's not an excuse. That's only another reason to be very urgent about what we're trying to do with our young people. Listen, a young person can handle the gospel as well as an old person. The gospel is not a complicated message. The gospel is a very simple message that demands a simple telling of that message. The gospel needs an explanation that isn't given from a 40,000-word vocabulary. We need to keep the terms simple of the gospel, and that is exactly the track of this one John who will come off that boat and later will write to us the Gospel of John, the most evangelistic book in the whole Bible. And John would write for us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And John would make it so simple, he would make it so clear in the Bible. There's no reason for that fisherman to try and become something that he's not. He just simply gave the explanation of the gospel as he heard Jesus give it so many times. In verse 17, he says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And then watch this gospel close by John, that kid, now as a grown man, who's entrusted to write this great book of the gospel of John. Listen to this. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Such clarity, such precision, such simplicity brought by that young man who had been in the Jesus Christ school of evangelism. He gives one condition for eternal life, believing in Jesus. He makes sure that people understand that if they believe in Jesus, they will not be condemned by God, but will have everlasting life. And then he gives this very simple message in the reverse, that those who don't believe 
are going to be condemned. In fact, they're already condemned, John writes. Why? Well, not because they're sinners. Everyone's a sinner, but some of those sinners are not condemned because they believed in Jesus. The ones who are condemned will be those who don't believe in Jesus. Do you know, friend, that all over the country that there are many churches that you might go in and there are degrees hanging on the wall, but never is that kind of clarity about the gospel message that brings assurance. We know that Jesus knew what he was doing when he called those young men. He was not after prestige. He was not after educational superiority. Later on, the Apostle Paul would write, Not many wise, not many noble, but God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Maybe a part of God's foolish things in the world was this great plan to hatch ministry among young people and train them how to do the ministry with simplicity and clarity and in non-assuming ways and call other people not only to believe in Jesus, but to join the ministry of sharing the gospel. Friend, today we need a youth movement across the world. Now, we don't need an emotional movement. There's enough of that. We don't need a feel-good movement that's built around music, songs, dreams, visions, or any of that. We need some young people who have rightly been trained in the Word of God, who understand the Bible, who know their way through it, and who are wise enough and trained well enough that when they share the gospel of Jesus Christ, they bring it with clarity and simplicity, and that when they bring it, people understand the condition of the gospel is faith alone in Christ alone. We need young churches in America, churches that have not begun to dig their own graves. We need churches that have people of every age inside so that the older can be a part of training a new generation of people. We need a Jesus revolution in our own day, friend. And if we follow the plan like Jesus did, we'll have a ministry to the youth. And we'll trust those youth to bring it long after we're gone if the Lord tarries. Amen. This episode is a production of Focus Evangelistic Ministries Incorporated. For questions or comments about this episode or another biblical topic, you can write to us at Focus Ministries Incorporated, P.O. Box 498, Danielsville, Georgia, 30633. For more information about our ministry, you can visit our website, freddycoyle.org. That's F-R-E-D-D-I-E-C-O-I-L-E.org. We hope to see you again for next week's episode, a focus on the Bible.